Martin Luther said that the ears are the organ of conversion. Mm. That it's not mm -hmm. the eye that sees the miracle of God and comes to faith. It's the ear that hears the word of God preached. This is total New Testament. Mm -hmm. And that actually makes its way into the heart and changes the heart. This is Kevin Miller, uh, Monday Morning Preacher. And today I have wrestled the host microphone away from Matt Woodley so that I could interview my longtime friend and very skilled preacher, David Roseberry. David, welcome this morning. Thanks for the invitation. I've been looking forward to this. And uh, so I can brag a little bit about you, David. You had a long and distinguished career, really multiple decades, as the rector or senior pastor of Christ Church in Plano, Texas. And you are now the founding leader of leaderworks.org. You are also the author of several books I've enjoyed, some providing sort of street-level wisdom for churches and church leaders on generosity and working with the board, and then uh, others on sort of devotional for the whole church, including uh, one right. on Psalm 23 and another right. one coming up soon on Ruth. You all can check David out at leaderworks.org and uh, connect with him. But David, I, you and I, I know, both care a lot about the turning of a powerful phrase, trying to yeah, come up with yeah. that right combination of words that will stick in the minds and hearts of our hearers and that they'll carry away. You know, I've heard so many preachers talk about that over the years, but I have not heard many really break it down and break down the game film and kind of explain how it's done. So I'm looking forward to talking to you. So let's kick it off here with this. Uh, suppose that I preach a solid sermon. It's got good biblical exegesis. It's got pastoral application in it. But then I preach another that also adds this kind of memorable phrase. What's yeah. the difference for the hearer? Well, first of all, Kevin, thanks for the invitation. I've, as I say, I've looked forward to this. I have done some thinking about that. There's a lot of technical jargon that, that if you and I were, you know, English majors, maybe you are, I'm not, but if we were English majors, we'd go back and forth about, you know, aphorisms or epigrams or, you know, whatever they're called. But the turn of phrase, the idea of being able to sum up uh, what you're trying to say in a memorable phrase is really, I think, a skill that is acquired and then honed over time. And I'll give you a couple of examples, but it's a little bit like, well, like I'm a guitar player, right? I love, you You, you, you know, I'm, I, I love to play the guitar. Well, yeah. In fact, I can see behind you there on your wall of your office, yeah, uh, yeah. multiple guitars hanging. And so when I was learning to play the guitar, what I love to do is go to bars, you know, good Christian boy going to bars. Yeah, well, this was research project. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and drinking Diet Cokes. And what I would do is look at the, the guitarist and learn through the, the little, what well, they call them licks. Okay. Little licks mm -hmm. on how to make a chord memorable, how to uh, go from one chord to another with a trans, with a passing note or something like that. And those are hard to pick up on paper, but they're wonderful to hear and even more wonderful to see and to hear when you're in the, you know, in, in, in the bar. And so analogously, this is what I'm talking about. The idea of 
creating a passing phrase or a memorable sum up at the end of a point that will make it stick in people's minds. So when they leave, they say, uh, I got to remember that. I, that, that was, you know, I love the, what, what did you say? Oh yeah. I, that's the way you said it. Can, can you give us a few examples? I, I called a few from my, my sermons, but I'd love to hear yours. Well, but if, if I may, Kevin, I want to tell you how I, I came to this because it's kind of a, an evolution. When I started preaching, you know, 30 plus years ago, it was, I was all manuscript, do the whole thing on manuscript uh-huh. and then it got really boring. And then I changed from manuscript. I would, I would write out what I wanted to say sort of theologically in the body of the text. And then when I got to the illustration and many times these are humorous, you know, humorous right. illustration, I realized I actually had put more time into phrasing that hmm. than I did in the theological part. Ah, okay. It's kind of like, you know, you can blow a joke if you blow the punchline. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it falls flat and, and we've all and there's been, no recovery. Yeah. there's no recovery. That's right. <laughs> we've always been in, we've all been in that, in, in that situation. And so what I'm trying to say is, okay, Preachers by nature will spend a lot of time trying to figure out their divisions, their headings. Right. You know, and maybe they make them rhyme, which I, you know, we <laughs> rhyme, rhyme every of. time it's sublime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Teach, reach, preach, you know, the whole thing like that. Uh, so we, we might want to do that. But, you know, what if we spent more time on the summary statements? the statements that sort of summed it all up that they went home with to me, that is where, where the, well, that's a punchline. And so right. to me, it, if, if I said to, say it this way, that's what makes a sermon punchy is not the headings, but the punchlines that come at the end of your anecdote or the story or the application. It's really that, that key idea that you want to leave that sort of summary message that is going to get then wrapped into this memorable phrase. Right. For example, if you were preaching a a sermon on, on the issue that everyone's talking about now on race and you came up with your headings, I don't know what they would be, but if you were trying to communicate the idea that we're all in this together now, with, this is this is who we are. This is humanity. This is a Galatians three moment. We've got to all come together. You might sum it up like Martin Luther King Jr. did when he said, "We may have come here on different ships, but we're all in the same boat now." Yeah. That is a perfect turn of phrase, perfect oh, yeah. epigram because the people leaving the congregation will never forget. We're all in the same boat now. And that's essentially what the whole point of the sermon was, right? Mm -hmm. So if you spend your time trying to to figure out the rhyming stuff at the top or the alliterations, those are, to me, those are mechanisms for the preacher. Right. What we're talking about here, these punchlines are really, they make the, the sermon memorable for the hearer. Wait, I want to pause you there because I think that's a really key point you've just made, David, that it's not so important that the listener remember the outline because the outline was really 
primarily to help me structure my thoughts. It's exactly. really that they take away the big idea or the central concept. Okay. Right. Thank you for underscoring yeah. that. Keep going. I mean, just a couple of uh, other examples. JFK said uh, one time, he said, mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. Mm. That's a beautifully balanced, that's a right. mirror image, right? Right. And those, I think, are very memorable. And what it does to me, Kevin, is is it it says to the preacher, if you want to get there, You've got to put a lot of effort into how to tell the story, into how yeah. to bring to that point. You can't stand up and share off the top. <laughs> a know? funny thing happened on the way. Yeah, the right. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about what I could pray, and then God gave me this this morning on my way to church. <laughs> but, you know, it just doesn't work that way. You got to really yeah. craft that, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't right. take away the spontaneity. I think Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is probably not filled with spontaneous, you know, sharing. These right. are well-crafted. deeply about this. Exactly. Memorable yeah. phrases. Yeah, I know Andy Stanley used to talk about the phrase that pays. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And my yeah. friend Brian Larson used to talk about words that catch the wind. So preachers are, by nature, we, we all wish we had those couple extra hours for a sermon, and most weeks we don't. So... How, how do we go about this? Is there is there a way that you've come up with to kind of work your way toward a phrase that will do what you've just said? Yeah, I um, this is my own evolution in in uh, as a preacher, but I would you know come to the text whenever it was. Obviously, you need if you're preaching every week, you've got to start as early as you can. But I would come to the text and do the initial reading, outlining. Uh huh. And honestly, a lot of these things, a lot of these ideas come as I talk it through. And the best place for me to talk through a sermon is in the car. Mm. Uh, when I'm by myself, I am always preaching a sermon. When I'm a, a regular preacher, I don't preach as often a, anymore. So I can, in the car, are you talking out loud or in your head? Oh, I'm talking out loud, and okay, I'm so the, so the car I'm, is listening to you. Your your uh, cement taco, your your right. Uh, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> your Toyota truck is listening. Right, exactly. And I'm driving around, and I'm just I'm talking, and I'm sort of see the thing that you love, and I love, and all preachers love. We love words. Yeah. Okay. Words. I think you told me this. Words create worlds. Didn't you say that? Words. If I didn't, I wish I had, because that's yeah, great. It's good. It really is good. We love words. It's our stock and trade. Martin Luther said that the ears are the organ of conversion, mm. that it's not mm -hmm. the eye that sees the miracle of God and comes to faith. It's the ear that hears the word of God preached. This is total New Testament. Mm -hmm. And that actually makes its way into the heart and changes the heart. So therefore, to me, the most effective way to communicate a message is to be sure you've got the right words. You don't have to say a lot of words. I'm not talking about long sermons, but to focus in on how do I say this one thing or this other thing in a way that will be forever remembered. Yeah. Yeah. That's so well said, David. I, uh, you know, I've, it strikes me that those couple examples you gave of uh, JFK and, and MLK, you know, both had had contrast, right? It was 
different ships, same boat, you know, war will get us or we'll get the war, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times contrast is really powerful, isn't it? Yeah. I, have you have you found that? I know, like, uh, one of my favorite phrases from Chesterton is uh, the person who enters a small community enters a large world. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm yeah. if I'm trying to preach on small groups, I'm that's going to be used. Right. Or I've got a few here that I pulled out um, some from my my writing and and then some from, you know, things I've quoted. Chesterton, speaking of him, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. Mm hmm. I don't think that occurs to somebody to say off the cuff. You know, that's somebody that sat down in the study and wrote it out and figured it out. And a lot, a lot of times, isn't it true, Kevin? A lot of times the, uh, the, it's a pun. It's, yeah. it's just a turn, not just a phrase, but turn a word. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, I'm uh, just finishing up this book on Ruth. And it has been just a really wonderful thing for me to study deeply uh, into that, uh, that story. And one of the passages, if I were preaching, one of the passages was, would be, how did this family that was meant to sojourn in Moab actually get stuck in Moab? Mm. You know, they, mm -hmm. all these terrible things happen, and pretty soon Naomi and uh, Ruth and Orpa are there, all three of them, and they have nowhere to go. They have no security. Mm. And Naomi's got to be looking back and saying, wait a minute, I never intended to get here. This was just a little one-stop shop. We were just coming over for a break, get some food, you know, till the famine lifts. And right. as I was processing that, you know, uh, writing it out, I came up with this phrase uh, about the, the, the family. What they thought was no, what he thought was his sole discretion became his soul's direction. <laughs> okay. Nice those, one. Those are puns. Yeah. Two puns. Soul, yeah, yeah. soul, discretion, direction. Right. But right. if you're preaching that and you can sum up everything you say in the in this this vignette that you're trying to communicate. To me, that's a pretty memorable way to say it. Yeah, and what a what a fantastic way you uh, you know to talk about how our our impulse can set become a rut that we we get into. Yes, really well done. I did a little research on the Book of Judges, getting ready for uh, Ruth. You know, sort of the decline, the folly of the Book of Judges over those couple hundred years. One guy just summed it up this way. He said, it was generation degeneration. <laughs> That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. That's really good. Another instance, uh, Kevin, I said that the decision to leave Bethlehem, Elimelech's decision, was not faithless. It was faith last. That he put faith in the last place. Ah. Okay, that's a, a turn of phrase. Mm -hmm. If you were summing up Jonah in chapter three, you'd say, or maybe chapter two would be best, you can run, but you cannot hide. Mm -hmm. Right? Those are ways mm -hmm. of summing it up. 
Um, and then an- another instance in this book on on Ruth, I, I say this. There's a saying, and this would be the way that go, that would sum up uh, a uh, a sermon vignette or a topic. There's a saying that goes around churches sometimes: "God will love you just where you are." This is a feel-good statement that is meant to encourage us along the way. But Naomi would say that it's only half right. She would add this truth from her life experience. And he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. Hmm. Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice. And I, I think what I would want to just encourage our, our listeners, our preachers, is that these require effort. They require yeah planning thought they don't happen saturday night at 10:45 they percolate up through the life of a preacher especially if he's a reader or a a thinker and just is constantly trying to craft words yeah you know it's interesting that you uh you you've tended to find your way to those phrases preaching in your car i've actually being sort of wonky like I am, I've actually added these three questions to my Word doc that I use as a template whenever I'm working on a sermon. And and here they are. What's the one truth that I want to share with people? Yeah. Uh, what is the simplest way I can say it? And what is the most memorable way I can say it? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And And I always come up with three or four or five total duds and I'm actually typing them out. Like I have to actually type out the duds to get to the one that I can use. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm sure. So everybody's process is a little different. But do you find that you have to get through some bad ones before you get to the good one? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, some really stupid ones. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> some things. And, and this is where if you find something that rhymes, you really don't want to settle at it because it's actually it if it's too cute by half, it's corny. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think you're right. Uh, going through ways of saying it, you know, it, let me bring an analogy here that Kevin might, might be helpful. You and I come um, as Anglicans, we come from a, a liturgical tradition mm. where we are accustomed to speaking incredibly powerful prayers that are written down. You yeah. know, that someone and, took and we time. don't think that's a problem. We think we, that's our glory, right? Right. We don't <laughs> think that's a problem. Right? Yeah. And uh the problem is that we're prideful about that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's for another podcast, my friend. <laughs> that's right. But so it's not um foreign for our tradition to say, now how would I want to say this? And I think when we look at preaching, we have to have the same kind of integrity and say, you know, it's not inauthentic to work on a way to say something well on Wednesday, if you're going to say something, if you're going to say it on Sunday. Yeah. It's still spontaneous, except the spontaneity occurred on Wednesday, not on (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really well said. So, we want it to be about the main concept. It's going to take some work and some, you know, working over on Wednesday, like you said. Yeah. And uh, now, now let's talk about the delivery of it. So when you finish up a section, say you finish up your summary of the judges and you say it was a time of generation degeneration. Okay. Now, are you going to like 
kind of take a long pause there to let that phrase sit with people? Are you going to repeat it? I, I, I mean, what what do you do at that moment as a preacher to kind of like let it have its full resonance? Depends, I think, on your sound system. <laughs> <laughs> it depends, you know, if you have a cold or not. I mean, if you've got that resonant, you know, voice to, to, just to be able to say it was a time of generation, degeneration, you know, James Earl Jones kind of moment. Yeah, Gardner I, Taylor kind of mastery. Yeah, I, I love the pregnant pause. Silence is golden like that because everyone will if you just pause even five seconds seems like an eternity mm. but it will really nail it down now i have a friend who's a master of puns and sometimes when he'll drop a pun he'll go get it get it and i'm guessing <laughs> i'm guessing that's not something we're going to do with the uh, phrase no. that pays uh, no <laughs> No. I mean, sometimes if it's not profound, if it's poignant, um, I could well imagine myself saying something like, oh, here, here, here's an example. When I, again, speaking about Naomi and, and her, you know, she, she, as people know the story, when she leaves, she's pleasant, that's Naomi. But when she comes back to Bethlehem and her life is in shambles, she is called Mara, you know, bitter. And when she, and so I imagine that she's re reflecting on the hand of God that has come out against her. She even says that. Mm. So I, I talk about this and say, no, when I met my wife, I looked at her face and um, I loved her face and I kissed her face and I spoke to her face. And then I looked at her hand and when I found her hand, I held her hand. And then one day I put a ring on her hand. But now in our love after, you know, th th almost four decades, when I think about my wife, I think about her face, not her hand. And there are, our relationship with God, we are to look at the face, look for the face, not for the hand. Look mm -hmm. for who he is, not what he does. Okay. Mm -hmm. And th then I would, if I were in the pulpit, I would say, in other words, brothers, sisters, as you think about your relationship with a living God, look to the face, not to the hand, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Pause, pause, pause. Then to me, it's maybe a little sealant to say that is profound. Just something like that. That is profound. Mm -hmm. And people will lock it in. Mm -hmm. Look to the, and, the, and everything else that you've said in that sermon, I think, will be carried away with that one little phrase. Look to the face, not to the hand. Wow. Well, David, this is so good. I'm, I, I knew you would uh, deliver the mail, and you have. <laughs> and, uh, preachers, uh, we just want to encourage you uh, to take that little extra time, preach it in your car, write it out in your notes, and come up with that turn of phrase that will stay with your listeners and carry that big idea forward. 
Hey, this is Kevin Miller, your uh, host for Monday Morning Preacher, and we encourage you to go to the mothership and get all the resources that we have for you at preachingtoday.com. And if you want to check out uh, my good friend David Roseberry from today's episode, please do at leaderworks.org. Mm-hmm.